This is Andrew Wilkes. This is Leah Wilkes. And this is Theology on Fire. Hey guys, welcome back. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. I know a couple of weeks ago we talked on the topic of hell, and so Andrew and I could not wait to talk to you about heaven. This is something we have been so excited to teach, and it's just been so encouraging and a blessing to us, even in the studying of it, just knowing more about this place that we are all going. What is this place? Who goes there? What do we do there? What are we going to look like? And we just really hope... Not only will you learn during this teaching, but it'll also just be a joy to you. You'll be excited. You'll be encouraged and maybe just know more about heaven because a lot of times we don't actually know much about heaven. I know, especially growing up, I just had very narrow view of what heaven was like. So I want to start off with just reading some scriptures to you here in Revelation. Obviously, Revelation is full of references to heaven. More than any other book in the New Testament, actually. Mm -hmm. So in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. So these are things that John has seen. So moving on to chapter four, this is John speaking and it says at once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And that that was God. Many of the descriptions that John goes on to say here, it says had the appearance of, had the appearance of, or it was like this, or it was like that because he was just doing the best he could. What he was seeing was beyond explanation. It was beyond his comprehension. So when he wrote and recorded this revelation he just did the best he could to compare it to things that we know about on earth so in verse three he says and he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian these are precious beautiful stones and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald so he's just doing the best he could so something that's like a rainbow that's also like an emerald you know with green in it he's just it's just magnificent he can't describe it any more than that because it's just not of this world it says around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads and there's flash of lightning and rumblings peals of thunder like this is this is amazing this is exciting these are amazing majestic circumstances and it says before the throne there was as it were a sea of glass like crystal and around the throne each side of the throne it says there are four living creatures these are spiritual beings they're full of eyes in front and behind and verse 7 it says that there was one like a lion and there was another one like an ox there was one that had the face of a man and another one like an eagle in flight these amazing creatures that he could only describe as being like some things on earth because they were not what is like on earth they were amazing and they were new and majestic and they were there in verse 8 saying holy 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 is the lord god almighty and then um, moving on into chapter 5, he, he looked and around the throne. There were these living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels. And it says, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, 
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, under the earth and in the sea, all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Wow. I just read to you a couple of scriptures and that was amazing. Like that, that in those scriptures in themselves just show us heaven is a new reality for those that know Christ, that they're going to enter into after death or after being caught up together with the Lord that is raptured. And there, it's not just going to be this golden city. I know we would see pictures in Bibles or other places just heaven being this beautiful sort of cityscape of gold and that is pretty but also seemed pretty boring I'm like okay so it's going to be gold that's just seems very monotonous but it is not like that and I think whenever we see these these pictures of heaven and they it is a golden city and that is true I think it even just says we cannot even imagine it. I mean, if a man who was given the revelation by God, John the Revelator, was unable with his human words and his understanding to say what things were in absolute, how much less do we understand? So it's not to say that those things are not good to right. use, that these pictures are not good to use, but it's just to really capture the fullness and to go beyond the very elementary. And we're not even going to scratch the surface in this, but we do hope that we will encourage you to dig deeper mm -hmm. and to really see what God has prepared for us. So let's talk about what's there in heaven. The redeemed are there. In John 3, 3, Jesus spoke to Nicodemus and he said this, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So just like we covered in the topic of hell, that was two episodes ago. You can always go back in the podcast and listen. That was episode 17. And uh, anyway, go back and listen to that. But the importance of being born again, we gain an inheritance into the place of heaven. Mm -hmm. But then Jesus came back and he told his disciples in John 14, verses 1 through 3, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So Jesus is saying that heaven is a literal place. Mm -hmm. Again, this all goes back to how we read our Bibles and what we believe about biblical interpretation. Did God really inspire the scriptures or not? Did what he say mean what he said? Words have meaning. I can't say that blue means whatever I want it to say. It's a color. It's specific. There's a range, but that's what blue is. If Jesus says, I've come from heaven, I'm the son of God from heaven, and I'm going to heaven, I'm going back, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's even saying, listen to my words. Trust me, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Mm -hmm. He's saying, I'm not a liar. I would not get your hopes up. I'm trying to tell you that this is real. Just like Jacob, whenever he was fleeing from his brother Esau, he stopped at Bethel, and there in his dream he saw a ladder, and angels descending and ascending upon that ladder. And Jesus said, surely this is the house of God, and I did not know it. That was the place he thought he believed, and he saw in this dream that this is the place, that this is heaven, 
and there's a ladder. And Jesus said, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. I am that which Jacob saw. I am that son that descended and is ascending again. I am that ladder, as it were. He's saying, this is me. I am the way to the Father. And so we need to be excited. Jesus is not just trying to play with us. He is risen from the dead. He is that lamb that is in heaven. So God is there. It is his home. In heaven, the redeemed are there. Uh, Jesus has made a place for us there. He's preparing it, or he, he at that time he's preparing it. I believe it's 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 ready for us, and I'm excited for this. And in Psalm 14:2, this is what we're told: The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. So God is in heaven. The Lord Yahweh, He is there, and He's looking down. He's looking down from heaven upon men. In Psalm 33, 13, we're told the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. So, so even though heaven is this distance away from us, which cannot be measured by miles or light years because it's something spiritual, right? It's a different reality. I don't want to put it into earthly terms and make it seem like something from a sci-fi movie, but clearly it's there. But we don't know how far, we don't know where, because it's on a spiritual plane, different from our physical reality that we are bound in, that we are stuck in. God is outside of time. He's outside of gravity. He made all of these things, but yet he is subject to none of them. They are his servants and he is their master. Uh, So he looks down and he sees us from heaven. He sees everything from where he is. And we're told by Jesus in Matthew 6 verses 9 to 10 in the Lord's prayer, he says, pray then like this, our father in heaven. So are we getting this? Our father, our God, our Lord, he is in heaven. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the very model prayer is this. Just as you dwell in heaven, God, the father, let your will be done here on earth because clearly it's done perfectly there in heaven. Amen. So it's a literal place. We have a God who dwells there in the heavens. And it's this is different. This is what differentiates our God from the earthly little g, quote, gods. They are gods of this earth. And in fact, I I believe it's Isaiah begins to actually make fun of those who have false idols. And he says, you have a piece of wood, you pay someone, they carve part of this into a god, you have to nail it down because it can't even stand up on its own. That person is hungry. So then you take the rest of the wood that you used for that idol and you cook your food on it. But our God, he doesn't dwell on the earth He dwells in heaven, and Jesus is there. The Song of Solomon continually talks about the one whom our soul loves, and if you're a believer in Jesus, that is what makes heaven heaven. Just like we discovered and spoke about last time, what makes hell hell is the lack of the presence of God. What makes heaven heaven is the full, unbridled, complete, holy presence of God, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He is there. And we are told in 1 Peter 3 to 5 and 8 to 9, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, 
Where's that inheritance? It's imperishable, so it's clearly not earthly, is it? It's undefiled. It's unfading, kept in heaven for you. Heaven is a safe place. It's where Jesus is. It's where our salvation is, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Jesus Christ is our salvation, and he is in heaven waiting for us, and we will see him face to face, finally. And I can't wait. And I don't always think upon this. I don't always think about this fact. But it just it causes passion in my heart to arise, like in the Song of Solomon saying, I will go and seek after the one that my heart loves. Mm-hmm. That's who we're waiting to see face to face. Amen. We get little touches of it here on earth in those times when we're just with the Lord and our, the room is just filled with his presence and we just have that sweet and intimate communion. Those are the best times of my life is those times when there's just been this open communication between me and the Lord. It is heaven on earth and I just can't wait to be there in eternity where we can see him face to face and be like him. Amen. What's also really exciting is there's a temple in heaven that God dwells in. This is really special And I I can't wait to learn even more about this as I grow in the Lord. But it says in Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 4, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. So this is clearly not the earthly temple. This is a heavenly temple. It's a, and there's a throne there, and there is God. And in Exodus 25, verses 8 to 9, this is the temple I believe that Moses saw, it says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. And this is God speaking to Moses, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so you shall make it. So there was an actual temple tabernacle being shown to Moses on the mountain and the physical terrestrial, that earthly tabernacle was supposed to be an exact image of what was in heaven. God has always wanted to invite men to himself, to his presence in heaven. He is even there. And we're seeing at the very beginning when he called Israel out of Egypt, trying to point them to heaven. Exodus 25, 40 says, and see that you make them after the pattern for them, which is being shown you on the mountain. And he's speaking about the utensils and furniture for the tabernacle there. And this is brought out more fully in Hebrews 8, uh, verse 5, he was speaking about these things in heaven and, spe- and comparing them to the things that were on the earth during this time with the Israelites. Verse 5 says, they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. Just a copy. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. God has revealed heaven 
to men. There's a scripture that says that even God has put eternity within the hearts of men. You go out into the jungles and they understand that there is a spiritual power power there, that there is a place of punishment even, but that there also must be a good place. And this place is heaven. And God is calling out through scripture and he wants us to see it. And one more scripture about the uh, temple here. In Hebrews 9, 21 to 24, we're told about Moses, and in the same way he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are the copies of the true things. Come on, y'all. Come on. There is a heavenly reality that God has been trying to reveal to us, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. It's amazing. And I think the tabernacle that the Lord gave Moses, you know, it was to be a copy. But I think like we heard John say, it will have the appearance of, or it will be like, like I believe the earthly tabernacle that Moses and the Israelites made, it was a copy, it was like, but I think what we will see in heaven, it's going to be, I can't wait to see that, the detail, the grandeur, just how spiritual and amazing it's going to be. Like, what will that look like? What will this heavenly tabernacle feel like, be like, and function like? Amen, because even though the Spirit of God enabled these craftsmen to create this tabernacle, we're told that heaven has a maker and builder who is God, and He does things perfectly. So what must that true heaven be like? So another thing about heaven for us who are saved and who know the Lord and are washed in His blood, when we get there, there are going to be rewards according to what we have done here on earth. So in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And it's, it doesn't just mean what you have done, whether you have accepted Christ or not. There's a judgment for that, you know, whether you have said to Christ or not, there's either heaven or hell. There's a great white throne judgment. Amen. The great white throne judgment. But this says you will receive what is due for what you've done in the body. I believe in the body of Christ and how you have served for the body of Christ and what you have done for the glory of God on this earth. And uh, 1 Corinthians 3, it says, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God gives the growth. So all credit goes to God, but... He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. In Revelation 22, 12, it says, Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. So there's definitely a judgment and there's a measure given to us as Christians. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 23, it says, I will give to each of you according to your works. So as we go into heaven, that is something that we can expect. You know, it's this beautiful place full of grandeur, but and we ourselves, we are going to be rewarded according to what we've done in our service to the Lord. You know, in Revelation 22, 3, it says, and his servants will worship him. It's talking about us being his servants. You know, we're going to have a job to do there too. We're going to be serving the Lord. And I think this is really exciting in uh, chapter 20, verse 6. 
Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection, on such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. In Second Timothy 2.12 it says, If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. And in Daniel chapter 7, verse 18, But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. We are going to reign with the Lord. I have no idea what that is going to look like in detail. But to reign with Jesus is going to be amazing. I can say that with certainty. We are going to be helping to lead this new kingdom, this new city, this new place that he has made for us. We're going to be reigning with him. And I do think it's important also to point out that this new job we're going to have, you know, it's going to be a joy and not a labor. I feel like many of us and maybe many of you might think, oh, I'm weary of working. I'm tired. I thought heaven was going to be a place of rest. And I want to assure you that it is. In uh, Revelation 14, 12, it says, here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. There is going to be rest. We are going to be active. We're going to be doing things in heaven, but it's going to be rest. Amen. And you know that scripture from Daniel is so exciting because uh, this prophecy in Daniel is set up against the idea of those earthly kingdoms that are established, and there's this statue, and we see you've got the Babylonians, the Persians, Medians, the Greeks, and even the Romans, but here comes this rock, not cut with hands, and hits this earthly kingdom in the feet, destroys it, and becomes a whole mountain, fills the earth, and that is the picture of the kingdom of Jesus Christ filling the entire earth. And he, this is another discussion, but we, we have to, you know, the whole Bible just, it, it, it goes upon itself, it builds upon itself, so it's worth even saying that in Revelation 20, 4 through 6, we hear about the thousand-year reign of Christ, this millennial reign of Christ, this literal thousand years where Christ will establish his kingdom upon the earth. I'm excited. I can't wait. Daniel excites me. Here's this guy, and he's in this captivity serving there, and he's preaching to me. And he is getting my eyes on heaven and eternity, and I am excited. I, I, I can't wait to even just high-five Daniel in heaven. I'm just, what a man of God. So I also want to say something exciting is there's a marriage celebration in heaven. There's a party. You know, very sadly, years ago at university, I was doing some studying, and I, I was not in the conversation, but I just so happened to pass by these people, and they said, yeah, why would I ever want to go to heaven? It's going to be a party in hell. That's what they thought. I don't know if they grew up in Catholicism or something like this, where heaven seemed to be just some overweight angels playing harps on clouds. I mean, my goodness, of course that would seem terrible, and, and that hell's just this big party. No, in hell there's torment. Heaven is awesome. In Revelation 19, 7-9, it says, Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, 
For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. And don't forget, even after the resurrection of Jesus, he ate a little bit with his disciples. He asked them for a little bit of food because he's showing them, Hey, it's really me. I'm real. I'm not just some, uh, some ghost or something like this. But there's, there's going to be a celebration in heaven. Amen. Another reason to celebrate is that we, friends, are going to be made new. Hallelujah. We are not going to have these old, tired bodies. In 1 John 3, verse 2, it says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him. In 2 Corinthians 5, 1, it says, We know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Or in 1 Corinthians 15, As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Hallelujah. We are going to have the image of Christ. I don't know exactly what that is going to look like, but I do have an idea because Jesus, you know, he died and rose again. He came back to earth and his disciples recognized him. So I do know and I do believe that we are going to be recognizable as our own selves. You know, we are going to have some sort of a body like Christ did to function in. I know sometimes it, that can be a bit vague. You're like, oh, what, what is this new body going to be like? Are we going to look different? Are we going to float around? Are we going to be angels? No, we're not going to be angels. We're still humans. But the Lord, he says, he's going to transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Amen. Yeah, a glorified body. We're going to be glorified humans. Christ is forever man and God. He took on flesh. God, the second person of the Trinity, took on flesh. And in heaven is a man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, which is the beauty and the awe and the miracle of the incarnation. He did it for us to reconcile us so that he could be the first fruits of that new thing, this glorified man. He is the first who arose from the dead, and we are going to raise, be raised up and be made just like him. So heaven will make its way to earth after this thousand-year reign. Uh, it's very clear in Scripture in Revelation 21, 1 through 4. This is what John saw, and this is after the thousand-year reign. This is after Satan is thrown to the lake of fire. This is after the great white throne judgment. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, not the old one, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be 
with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. Just as we've said before, the presence of God is heaven. Like that song says, your presence is heaven to me. That's what makes heaven heaven, and it's, his presence is going to come to earth. He himself will be on earth with us. Revelation 21, 9 through 11 says, Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And finally, Revelation 21, 22 to 26 says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. So though in the old heavens there was that temple, when he comes down to earth, there's no more temple. Why? The Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are there. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. There will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. And I don't even fully understand all of that and the glory of the nations being brought in. But I do know that from the very beginning, Christ has wanted these nations of this earth to bring their glory to him, that they may praise him, for he is glorious and worthy to be praised. Amen. So that is a skimming of heaven. That is just a few small details of something that is so deep and so vast. And there's, there really is so much about it you can search for in the Bible. And we just hope that you are excited. Your eyes have been opened a bit more to just how amazing this place is, that we have this hope that we have. And let's just remember how brief this life is. Psalm 103 verse 15, it says, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. We are going to be judged for how we serve the Lord on this earth, and we are told in Scripture many times, it's brief. This is just a short time, but heaven is eternity. It's forever. So let's not waste what we have, the opportunities that we have to serve the Lord, to gain treasures and crowns and jewels to give to him. And if you don't know the Lord, I want to invite you today to know him. You just need to say yes to him. You just need to agree that you're a sinner in need of a savior and just repent and turn to him. He wants to forgive you and wash you. And let me read you this hymn. Fairest flowers soon decay. Youth and beauty pass away. Oh, you have not long to stay. Be in time. While God's spirit bids you come, sinner, do not longer roam lest you seal your helpless doom. Be in time. Time is gliding swiftly by. Death and judgment draweth nigh. To the arms of Jesus fly. Be in time. Oh, I pray you count the cost, ere the fatal line be crossed, and your soul in hell be lost. Be in time. Sinner, heed the warning voice. Make the Lord your final choice. Then all heaven will rejoice, be in time. Come from darkness into light. Come, let Jesus make you right. Come and start for heaven tonight. Be in time. 
Thank you for joining us at Theology on Fire. Please subscribe so you won't miss new episodes. All of our information and contact details can be found at theologyonfire.org.